Once you give into the void, space itself becomes time. Once you give into the void, many are the mouths of reality. Beneath the web-thin simulacrum, inundating and fecund, live myth and manifold truths. Not one point of view can embrace them at a glance. And we welcome you into another episode of Drive Back the Night in Andromeda series podcast. I am Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. Hey, we are here once again delving into a new episode where uh, we're going to really dig into this one, really see if we can get the meat and potatoes out of this one. Uh, actually, not just this one. We've got a couple of them. It's a double header. So we have a lot of fun, a lot of material, a lot of material packed in for you. And uh, you know what? I mean, I guess we just go ahead and get into it. We uh, let's see. We're going to do this is episode seventy-two, and we are going to do soon the nearing vortex and the world turns all around her. Yeah, we're rock gonna, of ages. That's right. So rock I know I'm excited ages. too. Rock of ages. We're still rolling. Wait a minute. Come on. What, what Come are on. you? What are you saying again? Rock of ages. Rock. Rock of ages. You know, Def Leppard. Oh, I know. Just like the, just like what they said here in the episode. Yeah, no, big fan. I love Def Leppard. Yeah. Um, but no, that's not what they're saying. One on drummer. No, yeah. no, they're saying route of ages. R- route of ages. Yeah, route of route ages. of ages. Route of ages. I thought it was root. Hmm. You know what? Six one way, half a dozen the other. Huh. I we live on Route sixty six. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's said, right? Yes, here it is. Here? Yeah. Not in Canada. No. Okay. And, and I don't think they, that's how they say that either. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. All right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, as, uh, yeah, route of ages or rock of ages, we're going to have some fun. Uh, that's what we're here to do. And we haven't had we, some fun. We may not have a normal uh, ending title song to lead us out. <laughs> it may, yeah. There may be a special guest song that's that's awesome as long as we don't have to pay royalties oh yeah that's a thing they might be expected and you know what that's you may true. have already um no i kept it under 10 seconds okay all I right think is good. this fair use i think i think we're good all right yeah all right i think your singing was probably poor enough that it's not going to be recognized by any algorithms thanks thanks i fine no i appreciate my feelings that. are hurt now. you know what let's move on uh so actually it funny story um Ethan and I have joined in a, uh, a collective consciousness, and so it's actually only been, what, maybe about 10 seconds since the last time we recorded and dropped when an episode? When 71 ended. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here we are, to us. Yeah. It's only been 10 seconds. Right. Exactly. We reset the board and hit go again. Exactly. Dude. So we really, we have not missed any time. Right. In fact, this has been and one of the quickest turnarounds that we've had. you know had. what? The listeners haven't missed any time either, have they? No, I don't think so. No, surely not. Mm-mm. I mean, it's only been so many seconds for us, mm-hmm. so same for them? It stands to reason. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Do you hear that? 
background? Yeah. I do. Okay. <laughs> is that uh, is that crickets? It is crickets. <laughs> Please tell me that's not our audience, that's, right? That's our audience. Okay. That I, is I, I can, that is the level we have dropped to, sir. <laughs> I, I can explain. I can explain. We are filming. Filming. We are recording uh, this evening on a, on a, a beautiful summer evening here in the uh, the oh. the Age of Geek Studio A Annex. Annex. Yes, we are um, in the Annex again. You know, uh, of course, social distancing, and we don't need to talk anymore about that at no, all. No, let's please don't. But <clears throat> yeah, so we're we are outside uh, in the Annex in the garage. So that's if you do hear some noises, you know, um, crickets, dogs barking police cars i mean it happens it's it's not a great neighborhood but <laughs> again thanks for disparaging my neighborhood oh i mean you know you invite me over i mean i see what goes on episode 72 soon the nearing vortex and the world turns all around her we as i mentioned before we are these two episodes really just go together they dovetail so perfectly it really is it feels like it's just one uh, double episode. Dare we say hand in glove these two episodes, even though they do not say part one and part two. They should have. Yeah, they really are. They really are. So that's how we are going to treat them. We are going to treat this as if it were a two part episode, and we're going to knock we're going to knock them out in one episode of Drive Back the Night. Yeah. So let's get on it because yeah. we got some ground to cover. Yeah. So if you haven't watched both of them, you might want to pause and go back and watch. Uh, the world turns all around her and, as well. And, and if you absolutely refuse, spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 You've been warned. After 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's just get started. And uh, Ethan, do you want to start us out with some trivia? Absolutely. Uh, this episode was written by Paul and Larry Barber. Now, these two, of course, came to us just about four or five episodes ago uh, at the beginning of season four with the episode Pieces of Eight. And so we are able to uh, continue to allow them to, or, or to continue to have them tell stories within the Andromeda universe. Sonia Saloma is the actress that plays Aurelia. Now, she played the veteran, Uzalta, in the episode The Fair Unknown from season two. Really? Yeah. So we have seen her before. I thought in- I recognized her. She didn't have enough legs. Not enough That's legs, why, and the yeah. pupils were a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So, yeah, she was that veteran, Uzalta, in The Fair Unknown. Uh, she has done a lot of genre as well. Uh, some uh, uh, some key shows to mention. Dark Angel, V, the rebooted series, and the series Colony. Uh, Ivar Brogar, he plays Pish Tryon. Not widely known for sci-fi roles, although he has done a lot of television over the last three decades, really. Uh, Actually, a little bit longer than that, uh, nearly four decades. But of note, he has done Star Trek Voyager. He was a uh, a guest in one episode there. I did not write that episode down, though, because I don't like Voyager all that much anyway. So moving on. Of course, we have to mention the return of Steve Basic. And uh, he plays uh, Telemachus Rade in this episode. I I get the sense we may be seeing a bit more of him going forward. You think so? Yeah. So we may have some updates about what he's been up to, uh, what the actor, Steve Basic, has been up to. Probably not a whole lot in the last year and a half, but I know he's got some credits uh, more recently. But like I said, we'll save that for another time. And, of course, the return of Keith Hamilton Cobb, Tyr Anasazi. After leaving 
the series at the end of season three with Andromeda. He would go on to have roles in The Young and the Restless, Noah's Ark, CSI Miami, just to name a few. After 2007, Keith Hamilton Cobb went back to stage theater, which is where he had come from originally. And for the past several years, he has been performing a one-man production of the play American War. So if is he, he still ha- doing that? I don't know if he's still on tour doing it, but I know that was the most recent thing that he did. Okay. So if he happens to still be on tour and he's in a town near you, dear listener, go see him in American War. That's what I got for trivia. Oh, great. Short and sweet. We got to move. All right. That's true. We got a lot of ground to cover. No time to dilly dally. Uh, unless we, our collective consciousness like decides that we want to pause. Time. Time's irrelevant. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything. We got all the time in the world. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Or are we? We are. All right. Let's do a summary because I don't remember at all what happened in these episodes. Ethan, you want to tell me what happened? All right. Here is the summary for soon the nearing vortex and the world turns all around her. Andromeda responds to a prisoner transport that is under attack by Nietzscheans. Telemachus Rade is aboard and tasked with an important assignment prisoner transport of a high-profile individual. The VIP prisoner turns out to be none other than Tyr Anasazi, king of the Nietzscheans. A Nietzschean battle fleet appears out of slipstream, and Tyr makes his pre-planned escape. The transport is damaged and about to blow when Andromeda picks up Rade and exits the area. Tyr, having exchanged his prison jumper for something a little less comfortable, has a meeting with a collector named Pish Tryon. Here the plot is revealed. The collectors have survived through the centuries through blackmail and extortion. Pish, as the top collector, feels that he will be able to make a deal with the spirit of the abyss to maintain some semblance of comfort and power. Tyr, however, disagrees. He does agree to deliver something called the Root of Ages to Pish in exchange for the collector's help. Dylan stalls for time to keep from having to return Rade to the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth wants to prosecute Rade for losing Tyr. Dylan reveals that there are elements of the Commonwealth that he simply doesn't trust. Rade informs Dylan of the location where Tyr was captured. The Andromeda and crew return to that location in order to look for clues as to what Tyr was up to. Here they encounter a TARDIS-like structure and stumble upon the answer. They find an interesting alien woman named Aurelia that Trance calls Sister. Aurelia reveals a star map that will take them to the Route of Ages. As the crew marvels at the map room hologram, a squad of Nietzscheans, led by Tyr, crash the party. Tyr demands the star map and shoots Aurelia in the process of negotiation, prompting a quick firefight in which Tyr escapes. Aurelia dies, but reveals to Dylan that Trance knows how to use the map. Back in Pish's posh garden, Tyr takes his lumps as Pish reveals his displeasure at Tyr's inability to retrieve the star map. He also further reveals that Trance is a counterbalance to the Abyss, and that time is running out for him and Tyr both. Back aboard Andromeda, Trance examines the map and finds the information that they need in order to open the doorway to the Abyss. But before they can get going on their epic quest, several Commonwealth ships arrive to pick up Rade. Dylan yields to direction from Trilorn to give up Rade. Rade is then transferred to the Commonwealth ships, and they leave. Later, though, a report comes to Dylan that Rade was transferred to an unmarked vessel headed for Laguna Proxima. Dylan smells a rat and heads for the system and encounters Pish the Collector. 
Pish tries to use Rade as a bargaining chip for the route of ages, but Dylan and Rami simply break into his ship and rescue Rade and make their escape. During these exchanges of Rade, Becca receives a message from Tyr to come have a chat. She reveals this to Dylan as she heads for the airlock to the Maru. Once with Tyr, he reveals to Becca that she would be much safer with him, and she tells Tyr that she needs to make a choice, and that choice is she feels she would be safer with him. The episode ends with Andromeda picking up the Maru's trail, and Dylan wants to pick up Becca on their way to the Root of Ages. And now we continue the story with the world turns all around her. Dylan is recording a message to the Commonwealth, informing them that Andromeda is about to enter the portal of the Root of Ages. He also warns of Tyr and the Collectors, and throws some serious shade their way concerning their treatment of Rade. Anichian Fleet shows up, and Tyr offers a hostage exchange so Becca and Dylan can speak. Harper takes Becca's place with Tyr, and the two immediately begin to trade barbs with each other. Becca meets with Dylan and convinces Dylan that they need to see how things are going to play out with Tyr. Becca returns to Tyr, and seeing she's not making any inroads in building Tyr's trust in her, decides to seduce him instead. With that deed done, Tyr seems willing to work with her, and it's off to the Maru so they can follow Andromeda to the portal. Soon Andromeda, with the Maru hot on their trail, maneuvers through the slipstream and finally emerges at essentially a Pink Floyd laser show. Actually, it's the portal to the Route of Ages. Tyr now reveals to Becca that the portal is a way into the abyss, a way to weaken it. After allowing the destruction of the Commonwealth, Tyr will weaken the abyss and share his power with Becca. But Dylan will have to die. His plan revealed, Becca pulls a gun on Tyr and informs Dylan of his nefarious plan. This makes Tyr not angry, just disappointed. With her back against a wall, literally, Becca throws the engine on the Maru hard full and tries to blast the Maru into the portal to save Dylan and Andromeda. But Dylan tries to save them, and when it becomes apparent that he can't, has the Andromeda ease the Maru into the portal in such a way that they can recover Becca later. Dylan now has the Andromeda enter the portal. It's a strange, trans-dimensional experience that, as Trance explains, is beyond the crew's ability to comprehend. She is there to help each of them focus their streams of consciousness into one unified thought. Here, fear manifests itself in thoughts. Their thoughts manifest as their greatest fear, the abyss. Soon, though, they are able to conquer their fear and the manifestation of that fear in the form of the abyss. They also learn to manifest themselves wherever they need to be in order to find Becca. They find Tear with Becca. Tyr is trying to offer Becca to the Abyss, who will then give the Abyss Dylan, in exchange for letting Anasazi leave. A firefight ensues, and Tyr calls to Dylan, offering another deal, Becca for the map. Dylan, though, is finally finished with Tyr, and as Tyr turns to escape, shoots the treacherous Anasazi in the back, causing him to meet an ignominious end, falling into a deep chasm. The crew returns to the command deck of Andromeda to make their escape except they can't, because the portal is closed. Dylan clears the deck of everyone except Trance. He asks her about her ability to traverse universes, and she reveals that she is in fact an avatar of a star, with the power to destroy Dylan, the crew, and the Andromeda, and deposit them back in their original universe, which she now does. Back in their proper universe once more, Becca and Harper lament Tyr's betrayal, 
and Dylan agrees with Trance that they should keep her little secret to themselves for now. The end. You know, I'm not sure if you're doing it on purpose or not. I think you're not. You keep going back and forth between Root and Route of Ages. It was not on purpose, but I caught myself after probably the third where I, I'm like, no, I did switch that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Root, Route, Potato, Potato. No, no. No? No, it's Potato. Okay. It's Potato. Okay. All right. I'll take my lumps on that. So we're going with Route? Route, like Router. We're yes. going Route of Ages. I feel like it's a Route, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll uh, you know I'll try and stick with that. But if I let a root slip out, you know, don't crucify me. No. No, I wouldn't. Okay. It's potato. Okay. All right. So first off, can we just address the elephant in the room? That being, tear cut his hair. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I liked it better than the the mane that he had before. Really? Yeah. Huh. He looked like he was a proper uh, head of state. I mean, I guess in my mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, clean shaven. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I, 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 I liked it. I thought it was a decent, decent call on his part. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Seems a little shocking that it happened so quickly. But, yeah. You know, whatever. Okay. All right. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. You're you're I'm you're speech. You you don't like the hair the hairstyle. Oh no, uh-uh. Why not? Oh, I thought he looked much better with with the massive amount of hair. Okay. I mean, to each his own, I suppose. But uh no, I th- I thought he made a, a I I thought he made a excellent business executive decision. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't really know that he needs to make a business executive <laughs> decision. I mean, when he has all of these people wrongly convinced that he is the uh, the reincarnation, yeah. uh, right? So I feel like he should have backed it up with a three piece business suit, but you know that's just me. Yeah, I think maybe if he'd have done that, I could go along with your argument. But with what he was wearing, I just can't. No. <laughs> it was it was old tear from the neck down, mm-hmm. but the party in the back was gone, and you know, yeah, yeah, you're not sure you like that. No, and and the, the mustache. Right. Not about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, he he had full goatee before, right? Mm-hmm. And now it, was, now it was just the stash. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm just really surprised that you don't think that this is like a topic to discuss because you're always on about wardrobe and, and look, the aesthetic of the characters. I, I, it's usually one of the first things that you bring up. And, yeah. And then I bring it up and you're like, yeah, I don't care. I, it's been a long 10 seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, to me, it's still a shock to the system. Okay. Okay. I I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, you're right. It is kind of a shocker because it's only been seven episodes since he was on the show as a regular. So I guess if you think of it in that context, um, the period in time in the show really only equates to a couple of three months. (gasps) Is this the DNA taking over? Ooh, that's an interesting theory. What if, spoiler alert, he had lived, what if, 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 if this were allowed to keep going, what would he eventually look like? Yeah, was it was it already like changing features on him? Because mm-hmm. he did introduce that DNA into him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, was that starting to have an effect on him so that he was like, oh, we're going to have to make a change here. It but I'm still to. wearing the same leather stuff. Yeah, that was my complaint about that episode when he did that. Yeah, was, right. It, 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 the physical make any changes sense. would have to have yeah. start yeah. taking place, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing it. We're seeing the beginnings of it. There you go. All right. I like that as a theory. That question is answered, and I am satisfied. Excellent. And I am also now satisfied with his new look. Excellent. Yep. All right. That just became headcanon, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that metal plate that was in his arm that we see at the beginning. I'm sorry. W- would that not show up on a scan? Honestly. I mean, I, I know I'm nitpicking, but I mean, come on. A metal plate in the arm. Yeah. Uh, y- you say metal plate. I mean, I'm saying maybe it's not metal, but I'm also saying, so what? It still shows up. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it At the very least, it has some circuitry seems like to it because it, it overrides and, and absorbs the energy from the uh, stasis field or the, the, the barrier there. Mm-hmm. So I, you got to think there's something that would register. But then again, we are talking about abyss technology possibly. Is that no, because he's not involved with the abyss at that point. So no. Okay. Scratch that. Yeah. This is like Nietzschean tech. Is it, is it, it's not collector. Technology. Oh, okay. I am. I am. I was not thinking of collector technology, but you're right. It probably is. It, it could be because they would have been the ones to smuggle it to him, so he could get free and come see him. Yeah, yeah. because if it's just Nietzsche and technology, then I think people would know about it, yeah, and they yeah. would know to look for that. That's and and I, that's where I was getting hung up uh-huh. is the fact that you know this can't be that much more advanced than what the Commonwealth can see can scan for i mean unless this was just something that he did a long time ago like just in case (laughs) yeah hey guys i had something surgically implanted in my arm like you know 15 years ago for just this occasion (laughs) and lo and behold i need to escape from a commonwealth ship yeah i mean you live that sort of be there to pick me up you gotta figure this thing's gonna happen sooner or later yeah 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 you're right and maybe they ask him, well, how are you going to get out of the force field? And he's like, don't you worry about it. But I did, I, I want to I make a comment about the, uh, the location here where, where Tyr has decided to set up camp. And yes. I do mean camp, you know, with his tent and everything. <laughs> um, it's, it's like feudal times. Yeah. Medieval right, times. Medieval times right outside the discount Epcot Center. Yes. <laughs> Which we have seen before uh, in the first season. They were inside of that dome recording scenes from inside a drift uh, when Becca fell in love with the criminal. Oh, okay. That's the same location. Is it now? Yep. All right. Yep. So now we know that place inside and out. We do. (laughs) Literally, yes. Uh, Timestamp, 748. Totally got a next generation conspiracy moment. Okay. The eating of the... The worms. Mm-hmm. I, I totally flash back to the uh, the episode Conspiracy from Next Generation. Wow. Shame on me. You missed that? No. Well, I mean, you're saying it, and I'm like, yes, but yeah. but no. But it when didn't it register happen. when you watched it. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're popping those things like popcorn. I'm just like, what are we, admirals in Starfleet? What's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> and we have broke Star Trek. Didn't take long. Nope. Well, you said Voyager earlier, but... I did. I mean, I didn't really count. It was in trivia, yeah. Not actually part of the discussion. Hey, did you know that Rami is able to just scan ships in, in other places for a full schematic and all of the security codes? Yeah. 
So yeah. why doesn't she just do this all the time? I know. The only thing, the only thing, and I registered that, that, that I clocked that. Um, it is a Commonwealth ship. So here again, I'm going to breach Star, Star Trek, you know, in Wrath of Khan. They override Khan's, the, the Reliant, the Khan's ship. They override the shields using their prefix code, right? So it's like they know these codes for friendly ships. So maybe that's maybe that's the end for Rami. Maybe there's you know she she can scan other Commonwealth ships and get all of that information. That's the only thing I could come up with. It still seems like a uh, a weakness. It does. It really does. I mean. Friendly I would be, or not, I mean, this is... I'd be putting up a few more firewalls, a little more extra antiviral security, yeah. some encryption, perhaps, mm-hmm. something that the captain can only <laughs> unlock, you know, he has that in his Yeah. Head. Well, in this case, it worked out, because the ship that they needed to break into was the enemy. It was in the wrong. Right. But what if that ship had been going after the Andromeda? Could yeah. they have done just the same thing? Right, if it showed up to battle them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's why, yeah. Anytime Commonwealth shows up opposing Dylan, oh, why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. Rami, scan it, shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to broach uh, some Doctor Who here. Okay. We got a TARDIS effect. Yeah. The TARDIS map room. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. You're familiar with what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does Dylan know how to program a supernova to graphically distract the Nietzscheans and block their path inside of two seconds of picking up the dropped pad that Aurelia had been holding. Okay, so that's the first problem with this room that we're going to talk about? That's what I'm (laughs) focusing on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Because Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. I can accept the room. Okay. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah, Yeah. I've I've seen that in my sci-fi before. I'm not going to quibble about it. Mm -hmm. The fact that it is an abandoned fuel depot... (laughs) <laughs> it's a little jarring to look at because you can see the the plates and everything. And I'm sure it's probably where they were storing jet fuel at one time or something like that. Big silo. Uh, that thing was huge. Yeah. Big space. And I'm wondering, they had to have overdubbed like all of the voice work and sound effects because the echo in there would have been horrendous that you couldn't have used any natural audio, I don't think. Hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, probably. Anyway, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, so how does Dylan know immediately to pick up the data pad and go, how about a supernova in a map room I've never been to before (laughs) and didn't know existed? Right, right. Um, The other thing I didn't appreciate that was the fact that Dylan was quick to put on his sunglasses. (laughs) Um, Harper was standing right next to him, so he was able to put on his sunglasses. But uh, as far as I could tell, everybody else was just as blind Everyone else was just as blind as Aurelia after that. Aurelia? Is that where we're going with? I don't know. What is it? I was going with Aurelia. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the pronunciation podcast (laughs) brought to you by Drive Back the Night. Oh, you just wait. (laughs) Put a pin in that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We'll revisit that later. You know how this whole time since we've been watching Andromeda, all the communications are done by these little... Um, round gold glowing orbs yes. that project a hologram. Yes. N- no? No. This no. is the first time. That's we've... right. 
We, this is the first time we're seeing this. I, I, it's the first time I remember seeing them. I think it's the first time we're seeing this. And the place is filthy with them. Yes, is this is. a brand new technology that they just introduced, but they didn't have time to tell us that, hey, this is a new thing we're using for communication? Yeah. Yeah. The Commonwealth is falling. We've got budgetary restrictions. But hey, check out our new Apple <laughs> uh, communication orbs. Uh-huh. You know, these things are awesome. Yeah. Those are golden apples. Golden. Is what those are. Golden. Yeah. yeah. So the the company goes through a change somewhere in the next 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. It's not just Apple. It's golden Apple. Mm-hmm. I'll be holding on to my stock. You know, we, it's really, it's 50-50 at this point. It's kind of hit and miss with Dylan's one-liners. But I did like one that we got in uh, Soon the Nearing Vortex. Uh, he's talking with Tryon, Trilorn. Trilorn, yeah. No, not Trilorn. Try Tryon, uh, Pish. Oh, okay. The, the collector mm-hmm. on the ship when they break in, and uh, he uh, he he does uh, no no no. They're talking over uh, screen, uh, and Tryon does say, "You are treading on dangerous ground." Dylan's response was great. It's how I get my exercise. <laughs> I really like that one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to remember that the next argument that I have with my spouse. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one. Let me know how that goes. Oh, it won't go well. <laughs> believe you me, and I think you already know that. Uh huh. But it'll be worth it to try it. Roll it out once. Sure. Yeah, you're on thin ground. That's how I get my exercise. Yeah, you, I think that's gonna go great for all of about a half second. You know, I think it's it's. I don't know if it's just if Dylan is just completely disillusioned by everything that's going on around him, but it just seems like he is, the one-liners are coming more and more and more often and more sarcastic. And it's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't even care anymore. He obviously cares because he's still fighting really hard. But as far as the way he's talking to people, you know, in the beginning he was so boy scout, so diplomatic. And now it's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't even care because I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you're just going to have to get out of my way. And I feel like we're at a point, maybe we've had this conversation before and I'm just forgetting it, or, or maybe this is a good time to revisit it. With everything that's happened with the Commonwealth, and now now Dylan is openly acknowledging there are things about the Commonwealth that make him uneasy. He does not trust them, right? Mm-hmm. And that is having an obvious effect, as you mentioned in his attitude. He's no longer the Boy Scout. Everybody's trying to pull their weight, trying to do the best thing, and we're trying to build something great here. That's what we got the first two seasons. And now the third season was kind of... But now here in this fourth season, it is definitely going south, and Dylan's like, I'm out! (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, Yeah, so it's interesting to see that. That particular, that's more of a character thing, but I don't think we'll get back to it probably in our discussion. Um, but yeah, this seemed like a good time to bring that up. That we are definitely seeing the writers treating Dylan as a character differently in how he views himself in the universe. Don't you consider um, Nietzscheans in general to be very strong willed, very strong minded? Typically, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of their things, right? Yeah. They're strong. In every sense. It's almost genetic. Yeah. Yeah. Physically, obviously, and mentally, they're just, they're tough. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what makes Nietzscheans better than humans, right? Except for the soft ones that we saw on that Nietzschean fortress planet that uh, Dylan and Tyr broke into. Well, yeah. They, they don't A couple count. of seasons ago. 
they don't count. I mean, they were not specimens of man. No. <laughs> no. Aside from that, no, I, I, I do yeah. agree with you, yes. So why is it that Rade is so easily persuaded? Okay. I, here again, I feel like this is probably something that f- folds right into a character discussion. Well, you know what? Do you, do you have any others? I really don't. Okay, let's just... Let's move on. Let's fold it right in. Uh, let's, are we starting with Rade then? Sure, sure. Okay. You know, I actually really appreciated him as a character. And I think it took about three watch-throughs before I finally clued in on something where I think they're telegraphing that early on. When we first see him, he is flying the courier ship, right? And they mention something, uh, Admiral Rade, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, in the Commonwealth, I'm just a lieutenant commander. First off, that's a heck of a drop <laughs> in rank, right? You're used to being an admiral in a, not a, a large fleet, but a fleet. You're a fleet commander, an admiral, and you're going to take a post with the Commonwealth and get busted down. Reasonably, captain mm-hmm. would be, maybe you, that you could fold, you, you know, fit into that rank maybe. Commander, okay, yeah, if there's enough captains, I'll, I'll take that position if that's what's open. But Lieutenant Commander, that's a big drop. And that, to me, demonstrates a level of humility that Telemachus Rade is from the get-go, from the from the, this first moment we see him on screen for um, the first episode, I feel like demonstrates this is a humble Nietzschean. And then he does that repeatedly throughout where he doesn't necessarily, uh, how'd you put it? He's easily persuaded. Yeah. There's a specific moment. Okay. That I want to talk about. We'll talk about it then. Okay. Let's let's discuss it. All right. So first of all, I mean, if he's a Lieutenant commander, then obviously Dylan is his superior. Yes. And he has to follow his orders. Yes. Okay. So when Dylan tells him to try to lose Becca, or at least appear to lose Becca, then he he responds with, it's, what does he say? Um, something something it, along the lines. Basically, it's useless. Yeah, yeah. Pointless. Okay. I don't remember what exactly he said, but yes, that's that was the idea. Right. And then he just didn't do it. Yeah. So instead of being like, hey, um, I'm the captain and you kind of have to do this thing that I just told you to do. Instead, Dylan plays a mind game with him. <laughs> yeah. He uses like reverse psychology yeah. and, and basically tells him, like oh, you, would you, you could never do it anyway. Right. 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 And it works on Rade. Yeah. Yes. He's on our side. Yes. He's a good Nietzschean, blah, 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 blah. He's a Nietzschean. His mind should be stronger than that. Yeah, because his not doing what Dylan told him to do was pointless, was going to waste time, I think is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was going to waste time. It was a waste of time. So he's making a real strategic call here. Mm-hmm. The problem is, you're right, he doesn't have the rank. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's, you know, that's an excellent point. Why doesn't Dylan pull rank and say, you know, jump when I... You, when I say jump, you say how high. Mm-hmm. That's what should have happened. It doesn't. So... Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Everything else, though, kind of tracks for me, and to the point to where I I really like Telemachus as a character being brought on board here. 
Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, because we now suddenly have um, a, 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 a roster spot open. We need a new Nietzschean. So, does it have to be a Nietzschean? I think it does. Does it? Yeah, I think okay. so. Hey, at least the bone blades are back. Yeah, we got bone blades, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm. That was a. I, I will say this for Steve Basic. Um, yeah, he's fit, mm-hmm. and you could tell he was willing and and ready to be in that role of choreographed fighting whereas keith hamilton cobb i think is already starting to get a little soft <laughs> because uh tier Adesazi did not seem as dynamic in that fight that hand-to-hand fight as, it was the hair it's it's is samson it, is it a whole samson thing yeah, i think so uh check, check your bible folks yeah that's that's what we're referencing here um but yeah i you might be you might be onto something interesting mm-hmm yeah, that whole exchange was kind of strange to me because here again we have Tiranasazi who was supposed to be as mentally tough as they come, and now we have Rade who was able to play mind games with him. Why Tyr didn't just shoot him right there at the outset, or even the other way around, why Rade didn't just shoot him from the beginning? Uh, I don't know, but we had to have some drama. We had to let that go, and then when it's all over, Tears got the upper hand. Yeah, and he he has his opportunity. He can just end it for Rade. And he, you got to know he's looking at Rade and seeing this guy could be a threat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why wouldn't he just go ahead and waste him when he's got him? So he so he throws um, lineage and he throws tradition, the Nietzschean way, into his face, and so Tear just. He just backs down, lets him go, and walks on. I mean, the whole idea of the Nietzschean way is it's it's survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. So I'm having trouble being able to. I I, I can't reconcile this. I, I'm I'm glad that he didn't because that leaves more Steve Basic for us in the future, possibly for sure. But also. It doesn't make sense that Tyr doesn't just... It doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's easily shaken, except for the fact that he has now faced Dylan again. And maybe that's what's on his mind. You know, he, he, he bested this individual, whoever this may be. His mind, though, is already on, how, how am I going to deal with Dylan? How am I going to get this star map that I was supposed to retrieve? I'm already in trouble with the collectors. He, he knows that. Um, and he just has a lapse in judgment. I mean, that's that's about all I can go for. Maybe, but usually when Tyr has a lapse in judgment, that lapse is killing somebody. <laughs> that is true. Not letting them go. Not letting them go. You're right. You're right. He had another lapse in judgment. You know what? Um, here, yeah, I was move are, on to this. Are we are we moving on to Tyr? Because I got one more thing to say about Rade. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Just one other observation about Rade, and it filters into that discussion of him being a, a humble Nietzschean. He is, like, genuinely incensed at the actions that Tyrannosazi has taken. He makes that evident from the get-go. I mean, he's the one that's taking him to the new prison. He's the one that's going to take him down in the uh, just outside of the uh, the fuel depot silo, TARDIS area. Um he says at one point, and I forget which episode it is. He says every Nietzschean should be angered by Tears' treachery, and that strikes a chord with Dylan. That in that moment you see on Dylan's face an expression of, 
okay, this guy's cool. Maybe I don't trust him yet fully, but he's cool. So, I mean, I feel like they did a really great job throughout both of these episodes of setting up Rade as someone that uh, is gonna, you're going to be more comfortable with him in the coming episodes than maybe you were with Tyr at the beginning of the show. <laughs> you know, and I, I thought that was cool. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. All right. So, Tyr, of course, now we have, we just talked about how he he squandered his opportunity to kill Rade. Um, but he did kill someone in this ep- episode, or these two episodes, and everyone gave him crap about it for the duration of these two episodes. He killed, how are we saying her name again? Aurelia. Aurelia. He killed Aurelia, the blind prophetess. Yeah. Just shot her in cold blood. Okay. Well, no. Okay, this is where I'm going. Okay. <laughs> but that's what that's how they present it. That is how they present it, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they he killed her, killed a blind prophetess and this several times that they, they they hit him over the head with this. Again, going back to his lapse in judgment not killing Rade, usually his lapse in judgment is to kill, right? You say that he's maybe he may be distracted by facing Dylan. Dylan, whom he was trying to kill. Yeah. Aurelia stepped in front of it. Yeah. So, yes, he did kill Aurelia. He was not shooting at her. No, he wasn't. He was shooting at Dylan. She jumped in front of him and saved his life. So, first of all, I think everybody needs to back off of him for killing the blind prophetess because he was not trying to kill her. She sacrificed herself. Yeah, but also he was trying to kill Dylan. So I was going to say they should be mad about the fact that he took a run at taking out their captain. Yeah, and it would have worked too had there not been a dis, you know a uh, disposable person right. <laughs> in the cast. Right. <laughs> uh, I do have one note about Tyrannosazi, and it is this: you know that one friend that you used to spend a lot of time with. That you thought you knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't really have anywhere to go with that. It's, they, Tear shows up to be a villain. To be a villain. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the only reason why he shows up here. They set him up for it at the end of three. You knew he was going to come back in some nef- with some nefarious plan. And sure enough, here we get to see it. The Tear becca story, though. And maybe we can talk a little bit about Becca's character here. How did you feel about that interchange, that interplay between these two characters? All right. Short answer, gun to my head. I didn't really like it. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I see what they're trying to go for, but I also think that they're trying to get some sort of a payoff for for the viewers, for the audience, or maybe just for the characters. Because we've seen from the beginning, there's kind of been this thing between them. An unspoken thing? Yes. And sometimes even spoken. Yeah. Um, What was the episode where they were not themselves? Uh, The season three opener. Yeah. I forget the name of it, but yes. Yeah. So they were, they're obviously into each other and they they pretty much let it be openly known in that episode. And and we knew they had a thing for each other in the first season. And you're right. I, I 
to jump in here. I, I agree with you. It felt it felt like they made this happen because well, Keith Hamilton Cobb's coming back and they have chemistry because we've tried to show that they have chemistry. Mm-hmm. So let's let them have chemistry on this one of these episodes. Yeah, and so they do it. And yeah. and, and I don't know. I just it didn't feel. I felt icky. Mm-hmm. Felt a little, and, and especially the way the way they had Becca present herself. Yeah, what I felt icky about that whole sequence. Right. Well, it's it's not genuine. Yeah, absolutely not. Because that's what I think the payoff is supposed to be is that they have had this tension between them for the last three plus seasons. And so now we're going to get that payoff, except that we really don't. No, we don't. Because it's not real. And the next scene after the deed's done, they're arguing like an old married couple. So I guess maybe maybe that was... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, that the scene immediately after here where they're talking to each other, he's opening up to her, and, and they're kissing like a couple... They're they're not a couple, but doesn't he now think that they're a couple? I, is he again? Is Tear that dumb? Yeah, and, and and that gets down to the crux of it. Is for these two episodes, Becca acts like she's torn in her decision, but not really. Tear seems like he wants something and gets it, and then is willing to open up after but not really mm-hmm. he neither one of them ever really feel like they've made a switch and at no point did i feel like you know one side's deceiving the other i mean it all happened exactly as you would have expected it to unfold in the end becca yeah. pulls a gun on him once he reveals his plan you knew that was going to happen and i don't know that going through all of this with the two of them on screen for the middle part of these two episodes uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't buy into it. Well, and I don't think that w- what her intentions were, and we all know what her intentions were, it was to basically to play Tear. But... You can't play a player. Well, she did. It did, it worked. Did, do you really feel like Tear had the wool fully pulled over his eyes? No, not completely, because he's always taking the precautions, like yeah. disabling the gun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He does not trust her. But he trusts her enough to let her in on the whole plan. If okay. he really, truly yeah. didn't trust her, you know, I think these are just things that Tyr's going to do no matter what to yeah. protect himself, make sure that there's not but, live... But you feel like deep down, Tyr really wished that she would give herself over to him and go along with him in his plan? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I think she knew that too. That's why she was able to be successful. But the problem was that there was never a conversation, at least not on screen, and I believe there was never a conversation off screen between Becca and Dylan about what was happening here. And I think that's something that was missing. Because, Mm -hmm. and this is totally played for, for the drama of it, and I think to make the audience believe for at least a little while that there was something going on here. That maybe Becca is going to leave the ship. Yeah, yeah, right. But I think what really happens is Dylan's in on the whole thing. Yeah. He, he doesn't send Harper down there to talk to Becca. You know, it, everything, it was just, 
it worked out too perfectly. Yeah. For Dylan to not know what's going on. And and that brings up another thing for, with Dylan's character. We've already spoken earlier. He 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 had a decent line in that. Um and he's becoming more cynical. He's also becoming extremely smart. Like smart as a whip. He knows things are happening without details being revealed. He know he and he's anticipating people's plans. He's anticipating actions. He's coming up with answers when nobody had even asked the question yet, right? We're starting to see that, like, in I noticed it a couple of times in this episode where it was like, Dylan has the answer before the before we even knew, you know, mm-hmm. there, there, there was a question that needed, needed answering. Yeah. Um, anyway, sidebar. Well, uh, but that sidebar goes right perfectly. It dovetails into what I was just saying anyway, because it, it made me start to think, well, what if... Becca really was conflicted. But like you say, Dylan seems to know the answers before their questions are even asked. Yeah. So maybe he knew she was conflicted, but he knew what the answer was going to be. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's why he says to her in the beginning, yeah, just go ahead and go. I trust you. Yeah. How could he say that unless he really did? So is he he clairvoyant? What's going on here? Maybe. Well, he has trance, which is about close to it. Yeah. (laughs) So, trance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, we have a bit of a revealing here. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? What is her nature? What is she? Uh, we kind of found out. Mm-hmm. She's an avatar. Yeah. Of a star. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so she's extremely powerful. Um, I'm glad that we can talk about this openly now. <laughs> um. Because you know that I've known this for a long time. I know you have. You've known for a while For a little bit, yeah. 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 Um, And we've had hints of it in past episodes throughout the seasons. Yeah. Little little things. Mm -hmm. You know, the tattoo. uh, Her helping Harper with programming information into a star. How did she know the details of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So now, uh, yeah, this is cool. Okay. All right. The nature of trance is revealed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's... so was Aurelia a star? Trance called her a sister. Was Aurelia was she an avatar also? And if so, how did getting shot actually kill the woman? <laughs> um, you know what I think happened was because Dylan just caused a supernova. Her supernova. She supernova. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. What an So they're blaming Tear for killing the woman. It was Dylan the whole time. I think so, yeah. Oh, man. It's just, you know, they had to make it... It had to happen sometime. Yeah. She said it was her time. Yeah, that's true. She just went supernova. And so now she had to... You know, she was going to die anyway. So might as well throw herself in front of a bullet to save Dylan. I I just want to state for the listeners, you know, Ryan, you started the show saying you may hear sirens in the background. (laughs) I just want to state for the record, I haven't heard sirens in my neighborhood in like a week or two. <laughs> and now tonight we've got fire trucks have you, and ambulances. Have and, you not been listening? Yeah, I there's, know. There's sirens in your neighborhood every time I come over here. I know, but I, I've been outside the last several nights and I haven't heard anything until tonight. So thanks for that. You know what I want to talk about? I know we kind of moved on from it, but I, I do want to talk about that map room. Real quick here. Okay. Just the the scale of it 
Um, you mentioned about how it was that Dylan was able to to just know how to, to create a supernova. Yeah. yeah. Um, what another thing that was amazing to me was that they were able to just pick out planets and their moons <laughs> in this incredibly vast three yeah. galaxies plus star map. Yeah. Hey, look, Tarn Vedra. Hey, look, Earth, it's right there. Wow, I didn't realize they were so close. Yeah. So maybe uh, that should have gone earlier in the in the show, but. I just thought it was funny. I wanted to mention. Hey, you know, at least at least we brought it up. <laughs> uh, but going back to trance, so I feel like this is a whole segment to talk about trance. But at the same time, I also feel like we've said everything. We kind of have because we've we've known all of these little things that she has done and said up to this point, and it all leads to this. And it's so funny because now that we have it, all we say is she is a an avatar for a star. She's incredibly, insanely powerful. She can manipulate time and space. I, I think that actually is really good, though. The way this character has developed over three, and th- three seasons and a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Because at the revealing of it, it makes sense. Because we've had enough... You know, all of this, uh, her her ability to, to know, you know, about time, rolling back time with the bonsai tree. And there's all these quirky things about her. She doesn't die when she's shot, stuff like that. And all of this really feeds into what is revealed here. And it makes sense. It actually makes her a really cool character. And, and I mean, after watching these two, this two part, these two episodes, um, I think Trance has kind of ascended once again. I mean, I really liked Purple Trance. Gold Trance had kind of dropped off for me just a little bit, and I was starting to lose interest. I, she's right back up there again now. This is an interesting character mm-hmm. and an interesting concept to make her an avatar of a star. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty epic. Yeah. So, yeah, good things. Mm-hmm. Nothing but good things. Yeah. And, you know, I don't remember the name of the episode, but remember there was also... Um, the one where they were on that uh, that little quest with her brother thing, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was apparently it was apparently a moon. Oh, so that kind of like makes, legitimately, or yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Let's talk about the route of ages, a route of ages. Sorry, All route, right. route. Let's talk about the route of ages. Okay. Uh, first observation sounds very Raiders of the Lost Ark like. Don't you think? Okay, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds really cool. Um, Although you're right, I can't hear that without thinking of Def Leppard immediately. I know. I want Rock of Ages. Route, route of Ages. Route, route, yep. route of Ages. I like it. Okay, we need to write a song. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done that before this. Before we did this episode. So, uh, what do we know about it? Looks like a Pink Floyd light sh- laser show, right? Yeah. From from the early 80s. Um, promise of a way to the abyss in order to defeat the abyss. How can you help me understand how that works? Do you have a concept of, of what they mean by it's a route to the abyss? Does the abyss exist somewhere inside this Pandora's box of a portal? Well, I don't know. The way I understand it is that when you're inside there, you're everywhere. 
okay. and at all times. So truly like trans-dimensional. You're yeah. across all planes of being. Yeah. So wherever the abyss happens to be, you'll you find have access there. to them. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. That makes sense to me. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That clarifies that. Okay. And as far as how they know this, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to take the collector's word for it right now because it, apparently it was used thousands of years ago. Yes. In yes. A, in another war against the abyss. There was a, there was a very, sp- I mean, that, that line drawing was, uh, I don't know. what do you think about that line drawing of trance holding her hands over the people bowing in front of her? Yeah. I mean, you know, people made weird art back then. It, it, uh, I hate to criticize artwork, but here, here we go. Cause I'm not really that great of an artist, but I mean, it did look like something out of like a high schooler's <laughs> art journal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, the lines were, I don't know where I'm going with it really. It's, well, you know, remember we had talked before about how some of the, uh, some of the graphics were done by students. That's true. So that's true. I mean, it very well could be this was done by a student. Yeah. And and here you are making fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Some poor art student just doing their best. And uh, so they went to the Allen Thick High School <laughs> in Vancouver <laughs> and said, "Hey, kids, draw your best interpretation of this character with people bowing down to her." <laughs> mm-hmm. That's in my head, Ken. This now. is what we get. And Allen Thick High School. Yeah. So, there you go. That's probably a real place, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Hmm. Or Bob Evans High School. Would Maybe. <laughs> Wasn't that a restaurant? It is a restaurant. Okay. But, I mean, they like their flapjacks up there. Yeah. So. Too early for flapjacks? <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> Email us Great. if you know what that reference was. There you was. go. Yes, you know absolutely. Send us also, send us an email if you went to Alan Thick High School. <laughs> yes, we definitely want to know mm-hmm. that. Okay. So, inside the route of ages, right? There really is no time or space, or there is all time and space, I guess, however, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, it really comes to, are you a glass half empty or a glass half full? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I can't decide. Okay. Okay. Um we have a the way we get out of this as trance explains is a collective consciousness and it starts from before they even go into it because when they're starting to head in there trance tells everybody she sends a shipwide announcement hey we're getting ready to go into this thing right and then to the command deck crew she says everybody just clear your minds okay Hold on, don't get ahead of me. Okay. All right. So now we're inside the route of ages. And she keeps appearing to our main characters. To Dylan, to Harper, to Rade, and eventually to Becca, but it takes a while. But she keeps telling them we all have to keep our thoughts together. A unified stream of consciousness in order to so to accomplish whatever it is that we're trying to do wherever it is we want to go we all have to do it together right yeah all right and that's eventually how they get out of this and then she makes them again all clear their minds right and then she does this miraculous sun thing where she destroys everything and then puts it all back but they're all in on it um now there there were the ones out in the corridor that after 
Dylan kicked them all out. They didn't know about this, but they're still able to be back on the Andromeda because they have this simultaneous unified stream of consciousness. Except for the rest of the crew. Yeah. It's just these these main characters that we see. The, the poor janitors down in the lower levels just doing their jobs. So first of all, did they even make it into the route of ages? <laughs> Yeah, because she ship wide. Hey, we're getting ready to go through some rough stuff. Now, just to the command deck, this is what we have to do to get through this, to survive this. Yeah. Well, where was the warning for everybody else? So if they got through it, if they made it, is there any chance that they got out of it? Because now their brains are scattered all over this route of ages thing. And unless she actually did appear to all of them and you've got to imagine there are a thousand or plus crew members even though we don't see them see this thing is that in this particular episode we don't see any other crew members but it is a commonwealth ship it is still a high guard ship we still we know that they're there it's just that they didn't this was a big two-part episode a lot of money was spent on this so they didn't have extras but they were there but they were there we know that they're there because we've seen them there before so if if time is maybe well okay so we have the ship ship wide going in so everybody makes it in right if time means nothing inside the route of ages then trance can get around to everybody she's got time to let everybody know hey uh you know, concentrate on the bulkhead. Imagine yourself standing here on the ship and don't lose focus. Single stream. It seems like she would be able to get around to everybody and make them aware of what they need to do. Okay. So we're just going to assume that that's what happened, even though we didn't see it. I think we kind of have to. Okay. Because it's weird. It's one of these things where the way we're describing it, it's like time is nonlinear. Time doesn't mean anything. But things definitely happen in a certain sequence, right? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I No, I, and I get you. It's... Well, here we go. Star Trek again. Yep. It's, I'm right there with you. It's kin to the Nexus, right? You remember the Nexus? From, oh, that's not where I was going to go That's not all. where you're going? Okay. No. I, I, I'm thinking of it akin to Nexus because, like, Kirk pops in and he's chopping wood mm-hmm. and Picard drops in 20 years later, but he can go right to that same... So they all... They're all intermingled. All mm-hmm. the timelines, it doesn't matter. There's there's no barriers. So, yeah, Trance can get around to everybody. And, uh, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy from Deck 3, uh, concentrate. And maybe Jimmy doesn't. Maybe Jimmy's daydreaming about life 20 years ago back on the farm, and he doesn't come out of the portal because he's happier existing on 30 other planes of existence. Uh, it's possible. That some crew members could have been lost. Okay. We're, ne- we're never going to talk about it. So though. it's not. So it's not all or nothing then. Because I almost feel like that's how trance was. We all have it. to concentrate. Yeah. In order, or no, nobody gets back. Is is that what it was, or was it just, hey, I want each one of you to come back, so each one of you has to concentrate. I think trance is pretty consistently demonstrated that she's only concerned with our bridge crew. Mm-hmm. The ancillary 
individuals that serve on the Commonwealth lower decks mm-hmm. don't really factor in. So then what what are we coming down to then the the rest of the crew didn't make it out i think there's some probably some people left behind okay if they even made it in if they even yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a legitimate that yeah that's a legitimate argument i think okay. you could make is that some people didn't go in and some people didn't come out all right um so my last point as far as this goes okay so uh tear dies does he I guess so. All right. So, yeah. Well, again, it's the Nexus. Did did Kirk really die? Well, he he didn't die in the Nexus. Okay. He came back with Picard and died on the rock, right? Mm, Fell sure. off the bridge. I mean, maybe in a certain timeline, he's still in the Nexus. If, if you yeah, go in yeah, the Nexus okay. and time doesn't mean anything, then can you ever really come out? Good point. Good point. That's a whole other discussion, though. I mean... It, it's a different show. I mean, I'm glad that you... Because I was that thinking... That we don't do anymore. I was thinking wormhole aliens. Oh, yeah. From Deep Space Nine. That's what I was thinking through this whole time. Yeah. But you're right. The Nexus actually works even better. Yeah, because people are going in and coming out. Yeah. I think this know. is... Well, people went in and out of the wormhole, too. Cisco did. True. He, he was having linear conversations with non-linear aliens. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what, I, what, I, what I, that was all was all about but okay so let's just assume just for just to make the conversation more simple let's just assume tear is actually dead okay okay um looking ahead in the credits do we have any more keith hamilton cobb nope okay so let's just say that means that he's real deal d-e-d yep dead he is dead let's just say for the argument all right how did he die a manifestation of his own fear he fell into a ravine. Okay. A dark ravine. Okay. So that's what killed him was his own fear? Because he was trying to climb back up. You know, that's actually a really good way to have that character go out because it absolves Dylan of actually being the one to murder yeah. Tear. Okay. Just that's, saying, that's, it's clean. That's great. Yeah, we can we can make that nice and tidy, wash our hands. Mm-hmm. Everybody's great. Except that Dylan shot him in the back. He did, but he didn't die from being shot in the back. No. He he convulsed and fought it and and then like bad acting rolled off <laughs> to grab onto the edge of the rock. Yeah. Um but it was the fall that killed him. Yeah. So how did he fall? Again, manifestation of his fear. Okay. There was, it, it, the dark chasm was always in front of him. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of barrier in his mind that, that forced him to put a chasm there. And the abyss came up out of it. He tried to negotiate with it. It didn't work. Yeah, but that chasm was always there. Okay. And he fell into it. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens to his mind when he disappears into the darkness? I, I guess he... His fear is that I've fallen into a crevasse and now I'm going to die. And so his consciousness dispersed Okay. amongst all the planes of existence, I guess. All right. I don't know. That's one way to look at it. Okay. That's a very what, valid what are way. You, what are you getting at? Well, there's that. Okay. Or also, it could be that the others 
made the the edge of the rock face break off. Oh, like the crew of Andromeda mm-hmm. consciously made the decision. We're done here. And yeah. I and I did portray that in the summary. Dylan was done dealing with Tyr. Mm-hmm. He had made that decision. So at the point where he pulls the trigger, yeah, if his intent was he's going to die, then perhaps Tyr was going to die. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'm sure Harper probably had a hand in making sure that rock broke. Yeah. <laughs> probably had a little satisfaction over that, too. <laughs> It was great to see the two of them on screen together one yeah. more time. And they had a little fun. Yeah, they had even, a little fun with even it. Even Tear had even some Tear fun. Even Tear snickered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was good. That was a good moment. I really appreciated that. All right. You ready to move on to quotes? I am. Yes. All right. Okay, Ethan. Not to say I haven't had fun here. It's oh, yeah. Been fun. It's been great. Hey, Ethan, we've got some quotes. That's All right. right. Plural. I said quotes. Yeah. Why is that? Because we have two episodes. Because we're doing a single double. What, what, what did we say? It was a single double. Single double. Is that right? Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, you all know what we're talking about. All right. So soon the nearing vortex. Once you give into the void, space itself becomes time. Once you give into the void, many are the mouths of reality. That is the New Century Manifesto Commonwealth Year 4001. Totally unrelated to the situation that we saw here. If it was written in 4001. Well, yeah, but I mean... But you, you know, can make application of it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, amazing foresight, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you talk about the void. Tyr staring into the void, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that's always in front of him. Yeah. Um, space itself becomes time. Okay. I mean, I guess this is, this is a timey-wimey thing that's going on <laughs> yeah. with, with in here, um, which... Uh, we're not even to that point yet on this episode. No. We're just talking about... It's not even that episode. (laughs) We're just talking about the thing that they're looking for that's able to do this, but we don't know that yet. Right. Uh, Is this the writers, uh, the Barber brothers? Is this them foreshadowing the next episode? It's got to be. It's got to be. Because it doesn't mean anything at all to to this episode. That it is in front of. But it means a ton for the next episode. Sure, yeah. Um, Many, once you give into the void, many are the mouths of reality. All of the different universe, universes, what's the plural of universe? Multiverse. (laughs) Multiverse. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just go with universe and leave it at that. Or universe. Oh, yeah, that's a tricky one. Okay. Anyway. All right. We'll I struggle mean, through it. Yeah. It, 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 in the end, it doesn't matter how you say it. The point is, I'm not really sure where they were going with this as far as tying it into the episode that it was tied to. Yeah. Um, I think they got a little ahead of themselves, which great. Good for them. It, it, it almost You almost wish they had done just part one and part two and not had a, a quote. Just mm-hmm. get right into the action. But. The second episode, what was that one? The world turns all around her. All right. So the quote here, beneath the web-thin simulacrum, inundating and fecund live myth and manifold truths. No, live. Live. Not live. This is a difficult thing to read Pronunciation. I know, man. It is the Pronunciation Podcast, folks, brought to you by Drive Back the Night and Andromeda Series Podcast. Let me try that one more time. 
Beneath the web-thin simulacrum, inundating and fecund, live myth and manifold truths. Not one point of view can embrace them at a glance. That's the Council of One, Commonwealth Year 2333. All right. So do you remember earlier I talked about we were going to have some, uh, I put a pen in, in pronunciation. pronunciations yeah. and definitions? Yeah. All right. So What do you got for us? You know, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to let my uh, my ignorance and my, my uneducatedness show here. Uh, simulacrum, that was something I had to look up. Is uh, an image or representation of something or someone, an unsatisfactory imitation or substitute. This according to the Oxford Languages on Google. All right. And then there was also fecund. Producing or capable of producing an abundance of offspring or new growth. Fertile. So is this talking about Tyr's image of Becca? And him wrapping his hopes into a happy and fertile future in her, but then she stabs him at the back in the back at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably part of it. Yeah, and then just the overall scope of what we're dealing with with this route of ages, with all of these different um, realities, all these different universes, all these different possibilities. Right, because if you subscribe to the multiverse theory, then absolutely anything is possible. Anything, not just possible, but it actually is reality. Somewhere. Um, but when we're looking at it, like, is is any of it real? Is any of this real? Yeah, because we had that whole discussion about Tyr and Becca and the interplay between them. Mm-hmm. Was any of it real? Did mm-hmm. any, Was anyone tricking anyone else? Was anyone actually buying into it? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I see that. But not one point of view can embrace them all at a glance. So, Except that's not true, because that's Trance's role. Trance was holding all of their minds and unified thought together. Yeah. But Trance is special. Yeah. She's not... That, that's what she's made for. Yeah, that's true. And... Without her being there to to coach our main players through this, oh, they're lost. Nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing works. And I think that's the advantage that that our crew has over Tier is because he doesn't know what to do. He's standing at the the ledge, and he is pleading. He's negotiating. Yeah, shouting into the wind. Yeah, he's he's he knows he's not supposed to be here. This yeah. was an accident. Yeah. He's not supposed to be here. He doesn't know how to get out. So let's see if we can figure something out. Whereas we have Trance on our side. Yeah. And she's saying, hey, this is what you need to do. So you have all of these different possibilities, all of these different, uh, as it says, points of view. Um, and, but you can't see them all. Yeah. Nobody can. Not even Dylan. Not even the great, wonderful Dylan. That's about as deep as that gets for me. Yeah. It, and what I'm seeing here is both of those quotes. Uh, you get one in front of one episode where it absolutely doesn't make sense. You get the second one. And by the time you get to the end of that episode, both quotes make a lot of sense. And so really, all of this is just kind of reinforcing the idea that we had to do both of these episodes together. 
And that's kind of, that filters right into that. Mm-hmm. That you have to have both of those quotes to really, we've, we've fallen into this pattern of we want to understand what the saying is in relationship to the episode. Well, you have to have both of those sayings to understand both of these episodes. Yeah. And you have to look up words to understand <laughs> the quotes. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate that. Oh, I, I like words. I know. You do. You like words a lot. But if we had to narrow it down to just a few words, Ethan, in just a few words, what's your take on these two episodes? Uh, these two episodes are decent. Uh, and you know, in the past, we always got excited when we saw something that had to do with the abyss. Here, yeah, the abyss is in it and is kind of the point that's behind all of this that's happening. Um, but it's not the focus. We do, and we didn't talk about the fact that the world ship is just around the corner, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's 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 almost here, mm-hmm. right? So we, we know we have a showdown coming, and these two episodes really highlight that. So we have that to look forward to, and I'm sure we'll get to a further discussion on that. Uh, the abyss is also part and parcel to that. And that's great. So this is these two episodes are vitally important if you're a completionist and you're wanting to follow this story from beginning to end. These are two episodes that you can't miss. Uh, is it a little disjointed in places and doesn't make sense in a lot of it? Yeah. I mean, there's one line I remember where Harper's standing there when they're talking about what this uh, route of ages, route of ages is. And he just says... This doesn't make any sense. And as a watcher, I'm thinking, I'm right there with you, dude. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, Harper would be great at cinema sins. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so it, it's a little disjointed at times. But in the end, watch both episodes and think about it. Have a friend to talk it over with us. Listen to this show. And I think it becomes a better episode in the process. Mm hmm. Uh, I have a better opinion of it now, having talked with you back and forth on it, than I did just sitting with my own thoughts on it after watching it a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a must watch, in my opinion. That's how I feel about it. You know, also, I am I'm just going to say this. If in the future someone says Route 66, I am going to correct them with no, it's the route of. 66. Okay. Uh, I think sometimes it's okay if something doesn't make sense. If even if even if even our characters acknowledge this doesn't make sense. Because that just adds to me that adds that much more intrigue to it. It lets our characters be flawed like we just don't have all of the answers. And if something doesn't make sense, that's just the writers hoping that we don't catch it. Because that's insulting, and that happens a lot. And, and especially in this day and age, people catch it. Yeah. yeah. And then they post it on Reddit or Twitter or whatever, and then everybody knows. And now we all see the flaws in it. So uh, there's no shame, really, in having something that is mysterious and enigmatic and being able to say, I don't understand this. We don't know what this means. That's our characters not having all of the answers. And then that's okay because that doesn't put the pressure on us to have all of the answers. Right. 
or to be smarter than the room. And when I say the room, I mean the writing room because that happens. That's fun. That's why we're here, right? Yep. Um, I, so that being the case, I'm okay that this route of ages seems to defy all logic and all laws of fidget, fidgets. And <laughs> you have to give me a minute. And and all laws of physics, because it doesn't make any sense, right? Um, yeah. Again, we have you mentioned that we find out that the the Magog world ship is a lot closer than we thought. Uh, I was going to bring that up in my closing thoughts too, just as far as um, another little bit of story that we learn from this, and. It, hastens things a little bit makes things a little bit more urgent um yeah we get a little bit of the abyss cool it wasn't really about the abyss we just we just got a little bit of it and so it's reminding us that hey this is still a thing but that's really not what this episode is about to me what this episode is really about is this is giving a what i feel is a proper send-off to a main character um Tyr Anasazi, from episode one, basically has been in it for himself. He's always had his own agenda. And while there were times when we maybe thought he was really changing and warming up to Dylan's way of, of thinking, we also always knew, no, he's not. And this is the thing that happens. And when he ultimately betrays Dylan and the crew at the end of season three, none of us are surprised. We all, saw, we all saw it coming. They kind of even saw it coming. So, do we keep him around? Obviously not. So, yeah, we get rid of him, and we kill him off. It's the perfect send-off for any actor. That's what they want. If they know they don't want to come back to this show ever again, then let's just kill him. Let's kill him in a big, fantastic, cinematic way. And I mean, you know, his death scene actually was a little bit lackluster because you could tell it was kind of ah, <laughs> as he just falls straight down, kind of motionless. Ah, yeah. <laughs> but if you look closely, there's no there's right. no open mouth right. on Keith Hamilton Cobb in the falling scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a little bit, but whatever. The point is, he dies. Um, we get the payoff of uh, Becca and Tear. As far as that tension gets to be resolved, if it's real or not, you know, I don't think it was real. Again, it's all just people playing each other, and that's what it's been from the beginning. It just—it's it, everything that Tear was. So it's completely appropriate that this is how they send him off. To me, um, trance, come on. Oh yeah, I mean you got to watch it just for that. Yeah, you, now we know we know exactly who and what Trance is. We know what she is capable. At least we're at the beginnings of seeing what she is really capable of. Who knows what else she might be capable of doing? All right. So, and the story we introduce this new thing, this route of ages, which this has got to be a thing. I just thought of something I was going to ask you about. Okay. So when they. Re or when they are reconstituted back in their universe after trances, after trance has done the star thing and has taken Andromeda out of the universe and put it back in theirs, right? Um, how come 
Becca does the head bobble thing, but nobody else does. Was that just a poorly made directorial decision, maybe? I I honestly don't know. Okay. Because, yeah. All right. I, I thought that was weird, too. I, just, I was going to ask you, was there something to that? She's or also no? the only one that was in it. A sort of like a trance like state while she was in there. She was just like that's true. She was just hanging out while Tear was just doing whatever and yeah. saying whatever, and she's just standing there. It took them a while to get through to her. Ultimately, I think this is this is an important two episodes. If you want to get the full story of this, you've got to watch these episodes, and and I think there was a lot of stuff here that was just there's character stuff. We get new characters. We get Rade. I mean, we've seen him before, but we get reintroduced to him in a completely different way. We kind of re-meet him in this episode. Uh, We're going to have more of him going forward, so it's cool to see how we get him. Um, And, yeah, I thought the the, the story was not fascinating, but it was interesting. And especially with all of the other things that have such big implications... Um, it was a good, it was a good two part episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But that's just how we felt. Ethan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of us and let us know what they think of this episode or any other episode or what they think of us or whatever, or what they think of the dogs and the crickets or the police, the crime in your neighborhood, if they have any solutions to that, or maybe if they know some better housing that you might be able to move into. So we don't have to go through this all the time anymore. How might they get a hold of us? <laughs> they can send an email to drive back the night. Uh, what's our email address now? Drive back the night podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter using the handles at Andromeda Pod on both of those social media locations. We're on Podbean. That's where every episode of Drive Back the Night is still uh, currently being held. And you can, yeah. And on Spotify. They can find them all on Spotify too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's going on with the Apple Store? We on there? We're on Apple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're there. All right. Yeah. All right. And if you should happen to visit us over on Podbean on our main website, uh, we do have a tip jar there. So if you should feel so inclined, that sure would help us out. And thank you to those of you who have. And just a shout out to all of those that have either contributed during this uh, long ten seconds where we were um, resetting. and for those of you that sent in emails, thank you very much. We appreciate those. It has helped to keep us motivated and going. So, appreciate that for sure. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice for the beginning of this episode on the opening quotes. We are an Age of Geek podcast. We are we are an Age of Geek production. Uh, Age of Geek? Not, not really doing anything anymore. Done, done and dusted. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, still a production house but here. Just, yeah, we still Age of Geek Productions. And we invite you to join us back here again next time when we discuss the episode Conduit to Destiny.